Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, well, if you'd all like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41, look to the Lord now. Father, do speak to our hearts as we open your word now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 41, and I'm going to start reading here. Please follow along. And starting in verse 17, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed, and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor, very ill-favored, and lean-fleshed, such as I've never seen in all the land of Egypt for badness. The lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stock, full and good, and behold, seven ears, withered, thin, blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. The thin ears devoured the seven good ears, and I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them were seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. Okay, now, for those of you who really like to have a, a, a overview of where we're going, what this chapter's all about, so the chapter really breaks down into basically six sections. And so the first section is verses one through seven, which are the dreams. These are the dreams of Pharaoh. Then in verses eight through 16, we have the failure of the magicians and the wise men and the calling of Joseph. 
And then in the next uh, third section, which is really verses 17 to 32, this is where Joseph hears the dreams and interprets the dreams to Pharaoh. And then in verses 33 to 36 is where Joseph then goes on and gives advice to Pharaoh as to what he should do. And then the fifth section there is verses 37 to 45, and this is where Pharaoh appoints Joseph to rule over Egypt. And then last section, which is verses 46 to 57, this is where Joseph actually does rule over Egypt during the seven years of plenty and during the seven years of famine. So what's interesting about this chapter, many things are interesting about this chapter, but in one of the interesting parts is that we see in here a real development of the characters of these two men, of Joseph and Pharaoh. I mean, these men were as different as night and day from each other, an Egyptian and a Hebrew. Both of them, though, created by Jehovah Jesus. Both of them loved by Jehovah Jesus. And what's so interesting about this chapter is that among the many things is that the, one of the purposes of this chapter is to teach us about the reality of rewards. The reality of rewards. God wants each of us to keep rewards in view. That's what Paul was saying there. He says, I want you to keep the rewards in view for those who will receive a specific reward, which is called a crown of righteousness, if you have loved his appearing. And that's given to us in 2 Timothy 4.8, where Paul said, Henceforth it is laid up, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. But not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So as we go through life and we go through hardships and we go through trials, God wants us to keep a firm gaze, a firm focus in our view on the rewards as compensations for what we endure. You know, God said in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So when that, that statement says that God does not forget, that means that God's keeping a very close eye and a very close accounting on what we do, specifically, He's keeping a close accounting to make sure that he rewards us specifically in compensation to what we have specifically endured. You know, this is what the Lord said in Mark 10, 29. Mark 10, 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the gospel, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and land with persecutions in the, and in the world to come eternal life. So a couple of years ago, there was an Orthodox rabbi from New York who came out for a visit and during this visit, he saw that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah and God, and he called on the name of the Lord Jesus to save him from his sins. And I warned him about the losses that he was going to face when he went back to New York, when he made known that he believed in Jesus as God and Savior. And I warned him, you're going to probably lose your wife, 
You're going to lose your three children. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose everything, you know. And that's exactly what happened. When the wife found out that he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, she gave him an ultimatum. She said, you either renounce your new faith or else, she said, I'm leaving you and I'm taking our three children with me. And her father actually owned the home in New York that they lived in. So he said, she told him, says, you're losing this house that you live in. And actually, he worked for his father-in-law. So she said, you're going to lose your job. And you're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose your community. So he called me, and he said that he had decided to renounce his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pleaded with him on the phone, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't deny the Lord Jesus. I told him, I know the price is great. I knew that. I told you that. But God's rewards are greater. And my message to him was very simple this. It's worth it to not deny the Lord. And I read him these verses here in in Mark 10 here, but sadly he decided to to not suffer the losses. He told me the losses were just too great. And and, and now, so on the other hand, there was a Jewish man, another Jewish man in New York, and he had watched the testimony DVD that somehow got mailed to him. He doesn't even know how that happened. But anyway, and he received the Lord after watching the testimony DVD, and he began to tell other Gentiles in his local diner how they needed Jesus. <laughs> he became Now, when his wife found out that he believed in the Lord Jesus, she told him that she was going to leave if he didn't renounce his faith. But he told her, you can leave if you want to, but I'm not giving up Jesus. Well, she decided to stay, praise the Lord. So without doubt, Joseph suffered losses And when he was in prison, we can imagine that Joseph might have said to himself, look at me, I'm spending the best years of my life in prison. And why? Because I was faithful to God and to my master, that's it? I mean, Joseph suffering in prison is described in 1 Peter 2.19. 1 Peter 2.19 says, this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. See, God saw the, all that, and that was Joseph was thinking, and God, in essence, was saying to Joseph in prison, Joseph, just wait. I'll compensate you for all your losses. I'm seeing all your losses, and I'll compensate you. And God's very specific about that. He's very serious about giving specific rewards for specific losses. And you notice how that specific list went on in Mark 10, 29, where it was talking about house and brethren and sister and father and mother and wife and, and children and lands. And then the next verse in Mark 10, 20, it says a very specific list of compensations. And it was houses and brethren and sisters and fathers and mothers and wife and children and lands. It was the same list. It matched. The rewards match the losses. So God is good at keeping a close eye specifically at what is lost. And he's very good at keeping a close accounting to make sure that a specific compensation matches the specific losses. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's all good. You know, rewards when I get to heaven, that's all good and fine. But rewards in heaven, that really is pie in the sky, you know. But, but how about some compensation now? Well, that's why the Lord Jesus said in verse 30 of Mark 10, Mark 10, 30, he said, but you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and so forth. So God's specific compensation, his rewards are not only when we get to heaven, but they're now in this life as he rewards. And he was keeping a very close eye on Joseph 
And he was seeing specifically what Joseph lost, specifically. He, he, what was it? He lost the love of his, of his brothers. He had the hatred of his brothers. That's what he endured. The hatred of his brothers. Then he endured the mockery of his brothers. Oh, here comes this dreamer. Let's see how his dreams are going to go after we throw him in a pit. You know, and, and then he, he endured being stripped out of his coat of many colors. And then he endured being sold as a slave. And then he endured being imprisoned in Egypt. And then he endured these iron shackles, these bands painful on his feet. And then he endured doing the work of a slave. Now, all those were very specific hardships of the hatred and the mockery and the being stripped and the imprisonment and the iron bands and the slave work. And what we're seeing in this chapter is God giving very specific rewards to Joseph that matched those hardships, that compensated him for the very specific losses that he endured. So, to compensate Joseph for the hatred of his brothers in this chapter, Joseph is going to be honored by all of Egypt, the king of Egypt and all of Egypt. To compensate Joseph for the mockery of his brothers in this chapter, he is going to be called by the king of Egypt a man in whom the spirit of God is, the Ruach Elohim, which is the term that was used for God in the first chapter of Genesis there. So, and also, as he goes through, the shout's gonna go out, bow the knee, bend the knee, and all of Egypt's gonna bend the knee when he comes by. To compensate Joseph for being stripped out of his coat of many colors, in this chapter, he's going to be clothed with fine garments of Egyptian linen. To compensate Joseph for being turned away and sold as a slave, he's not, Joseph's, Joseph's brothers, along with all the peoples of the land there, are gonna come to Joseph and bow down before him to receive food. To compensate Joseph for being imprisoned in Egypt, in this chapter, he's gonna live in the palace of the king. He's gonna live in the palace of the king of Egypt. To compensate Joseph for wearing these iron bands on his feet, in this chapter, Joseph's gonna wear a golden chain. And to compensate Joseph for doing the work of a slave, in this chapter, Joseph is gonna do the work of the ruler of Egypt. I mean, the compensation that God gave to Joseph was so great that Joseph named his son Manasseh and said, he hath made me forget all my toil and labor in my father's house. And Joseph then named his other son Ephraim, and he said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So that's why this chapter is such an encouragement to us, because it shows us that we need to keep our eye on God, the rewarder in our lives. And when all this happens to Joseph, what a picture it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see in Joseph, the Hebrew slave that was exalted to rule the world and to save the world. That's the Lord Jesus. As we see in Joseph, the whole history of the Lord Jesus from the cross to the throne. That's what we're seeing here. So this chapter also enables us to see both Joseph and Pharaoh and how they responded to God. I mean, the, this is, we're talking about character now. It allows us, this chapter allows us to see the character of Joseph and Pharaoh. Okay, the character of Joseph we've seen is this beautiful, just beautiful character of humility. I mean, he refused to promote himself based on the gift 
of this dream interpretation that God gave him. Instead of taking any credit for himself, he says it's all from God. Interpretations come from God. And we see in Joseph's character as he gives advice to Pharaoh, he's a person who's always thinking of others. That's Joseph. He looks on the baker and the butler. He's thinking of them. His advice is to, to, to Pharaoh is, you need to gather food so that it can be given out. Because that's what I do, Joseph. And says, I gather so I can give. I mean, Joseph's character, as we see as a person who's always, he's giving, he's giving, he's giving to others, and, and, and which is why when his father, Jacob, was on his deathbed, and he was blessing his sons. When he came to Joseph, he said, oh, Joseph, Genesis 49, 22. Genesis 49, 22. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. It's giving, it's giving, it's giving. That's Joseph. Now, we also see the character of Pharaoh in this chapter where his dreams terrified him because he knew that by the dreams he'd received an important message and he was in agony because he didn't know what the message was. He didn't have the interpretation. And he knew the dreams that he had, that he had to take some kind of action. But without an interpretation, he didn't know what he should do. He didn't know what he should do. So he calls those who are responsible in Egypt for interpreting dreams. He calls all the magicians, calls all the wise men of Egypt. And he watches a complete failure as they go through all of their incantations of the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. And that's when we saw something really great about the character of Pharaoh. Because the more he saw the failure of the magicians and the wise men, the more he became convinced they are false. They are false. And by seeing this failure, a great change comes over Pharaoh. When he became aware, he became open to a solution to the problem that was not in Egypt. It was a non-Egyptian solution. And so when the butler then goes through his, well, instead of Egypt's best, may I introduce to you the young foreign prisoner slave. And this is when we see Pharaoh humbled himself in front of all of Egypt's elite there, of the magicians, the wise men, and he calls Joseph to be brought up out of prison. I mean, this was a turning point for, for Pharaoh when Pharaoh called for Joseph, in, in, who was in the world's estimation, in Egypt's estimation, the lowest of low. It was a low degree. By calling Joseph, Joseph, Pharaoh was turning to a person who really could be described by Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. When we shall see him. Think about, think about all the people looking at Joseph. When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised, rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He's despised. We esteemed him not. I mean, can't you a picture that exact reaction among all the magicians and the wise men when, when the young Hebrew slave prisoner Joseph appears, we can hear them gasping, say, him? Joseph? He doesn't even have an Egyptian name. Well, they fix that later. And, and there's no beauty that we should desire him. This young Hebrew slave prisoner, he's despised. He's rejected of men. He's a man of sorrow. He's equated with grief. And we can't look at him. He's so despised, we esteem him not. But when Pharaoh called for Joseph to be brought up, he was confessing. Joseph, he, Pharaoh was confessing. He was saying, I am bankrupt spiritually, and I'm going to turn to this despised, rejected man of sorrows for help. And that's exactly what happens to the man 
who turns to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Clint told me, that, that, that he met his old friend from 50 years ago and asked him, so are you a full-on Christian? <laughs> That's Clint. Now you start to greet him that way. You say, hello, full-on Christian. <laughs> so when a person turns from the world to the Lord Jesus Christ, a typical response is, Jesus? Are you kidding? I have no interest in Jesus. Jesus despised. He was rejected by anyone except for those religious freaks. I mean, he's a man of sorrow. He's acquainted with grief. I can't even consider be, becoming a follow, a full-on follower of him. He's so despised. He's got no value. And as a matter of fact, what we're seeing here happen with Pharaoh is a typical pattern. There's like steps, like a typical pattern, like an eight, eight step for a person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, first is Pharaoh had this disturbing dream. And first, a person who comes to the Lord experiences some disturbing event in their lives. And second, Pharaoh looked to the normal place for help. He looked for the magicians and the wise men for help. And second, a person turns to his normal sources of help. It might be music, it might be friends, it might be books, it might be psychologists, whatever. And then third, Pharaoh found no help in the magicians and the, and the wise men. He was frustrated. And when a person is coming to the Lord, he finds no help in his normal sources for help. And then next, Pharaoh admits he's wrong. He, he admitted he was wrong to rely on the magicians and the wise men. He keeps saying they couldn't do it, they couldn't do it, as he sees their failure to help him. And a person admits he's a sinner and he's been looking for help in all the wrong places. And then fifth, Pharaoh then became open and he looks to a person who is despised and rejected. He looks to him for help. And, and that's what happens when a person becomes open and willing to call for help on the Lord Jesus Christ who is despised and rejected. And then next, in sixth place, then Pharaoh called Joseph. He called Joseph up from the prison. And that's what happens to a person. He, a person calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for help. And then next, Joseph begins to help Pharaoh by interpreting his dream. And next, the Lord Jesus Christ begins to help the sinner by first saving the sinner from his sins. But last, the real help came when Joseph really helped Pharaoh by becoming ruler over Egypt. And the Lord Jesus Christ go on to really help a person when he becomes ruler of his life. Now, Joseph is now beginning to interpret the dream to Pharaoh in verse 25. Verse 25, he says, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. So he explains to Pharaoh, he said, Look, your two dreams are really one. The two dreams make one dream. He uses the word echad. Echad, he says, they're one, which is the Hebrew word for one. It's meaning especially composite unity here. And this is the word that's used to describe the triunity of God in Deuteronomy 6.4 in the Shema, Shema Yisrael. The, the Hebrew reads Yehovah, Shema Yisrael, Yehovah, Eloheinu, Yehovah, Echad. So Eloheinu is the word Elohim. It's the possessive form, our Elohim. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you love and stand with Israel? Would you like to meet a living Holocaust survivor? Then join radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship this Sunday, September 24th at 5 p.m. as we welcome Brian Slater from Abundant Life Ministries Israel and Holocaust survivor Nachem Kirpelovich from Netanya Israel, who's the leader of the largest Russian-speaking Holocaust survivor branch in Israel. Arrive early before 5 p.m. and enjoy amazing food and unforgettable Israeli Jewish music from the De Lamont Strings, as well as an amazing message and the opportunity to hear and meet from a living Holocaust survivor. Stand with Israel and join radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor this Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Friendship with God Fellowship that's located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North. For more information on this Stand with Israel free event at the Friendship with God Fellowship, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.